This is episode 309 of the Beyond the Food Show. And today, it's all about emotional eating. More precisely, how to cope with our emotion without using only food. And I brought an expert on the topic, Sabrina Rogers. She's a licensed counselor and host of the Emotional Eating Therapist Show. And here's a teaser. All emotional eating is good eating. Ready? Stay tuned. Welcome to the Going Beyond the Food Show. I'm Stephanie Dozier, clinical nutritionist and creator of the Going Beyond the Food Method. And after a 25-year dieting career that started at the age of 12, I decided to say hell no to diet culture and undiet my life. It is now my mission to help women undiet their life. If you're new to our podcast, be sure to grab our free podcast roadmap at stephaniedoze.com forward slash roadmap. Ready, sisters? Let's do this. Hello, sisters. Welcome back. I am honored to be able to produce this episode for you today and to share the wisdom of one of my students, Sabrina Rogers, today on the podcast. Sabrina graduated from our professional training program almost a year ago. She came to us as a full-fledged licensed therapist in practice for a number of years, and she wanted to learn how she could take her skills as a professional counselor and help people in a diet culture-free way. And let me tell you, there's more and more counselors, health professionals, professionals from all fields doing exactly what Sabrina is doing. We've graduated doctors, NDs. Right now in this cohort that we have, cohort five, in January of 2022, we have a nurse practitioner who's going through our program and she's passionate about helping diabetes patients in a non-diet approach. And we need this so badly. (laughs) I can't tell you how many of my clients were diagnosed with diabetes or have been recently diagnosed with diabetes. And when they go seek counseling from professional, they're being fed diet culture, weight loss, food restriction. And it doesn't have to be. In the same way in the counseling world, Therapists don't know how to help people with body image. For an example, that's just one topic that comes to mind. For most counselors, body image is resolved by helping the client adhere to their diet, which we know doesn't work. (laughs) We know that body image has nothing to do with the size of our body. So professionals like Sabrina are awakening in the same way that you're awakening to the fact that the non-diet way, the diet culture-free way of approaching life, approaching your health, approaching food and body is the right way. So we're going to talk with Sabrina today about emotion, all things emotion, including how it shows up with our relationship to food. Now, emotion is a pillar that we must learn in order to undiet our life. Like if you're listening to my podcast, but you're working with someone else, I don't know, to become an intuitive eater or to make peace with your body, and they are not helping you 
become emotionally intelligent. That's how we call it in Undiet Your Life, building up our emotional intelligence, meaning we're learning how to process intelligently our emotion. Something is missing from the program <laughs> because there's no other way to undiet our life but to learn and build up our emotional intelligence. So that's what we're going to do today with Sabrina. We're going to talk about why emotional eating is good. We're going to talk about coping tools beyond the food and how to use them. So you ready to do this? Let's roll over to the interview. Welcome to the show, Sabrina. Yeah, thanks for having me, Stephanie. Awesome. So we're going to talk about emotional eating today because you got a unique perspective on emotional eating that I think is going to serve a lot of our listener. And I'm going to send you this quote that you have. All eating is emotional eating. Talk to us about that. That was probably like my biggest aha moment that really helped shed a lot of the guilt and shame with emotional eating. So often, I think in our culture, and especially thanks to diet culture, there's so much of this guilt and shame that if we eat for any emotional reason, that we're bad and flawed in some way. And I started to look at this, and we're humans, we're animals, and we feel we're very emotional beings. And I started to think about all of the times that feeling something and when I'm not feeling something. All through the day, I can categorize emotions. I can identify what I'm feeling. The only time I don't really know that I'm feeling something is when I'm sleeping because I'm not conscious or if I were in a coma, again, not conscious. And then I got to thinking, well, then if I'm feeling something all the time, then every time I eat, I'm feeling an emotion and then therefore I'm emotionally eating. Or unless you're hooked up to a feeding tube and the food is just like continuously coming in, there's not that relationship between the emotion and the food. But every time we eat, we're emotionally eating because we're always feeling something. So every time we eat, we are feeling an emotion in that moment. Is that what you're saying? Yes. So if I'm eating dinner, my regular dinner with my family, I could be feeling stressed because it was a very stressful day with clients. I could be feeling stressed because my kid is not following directions or listening very well. And therefore I'm feeling stressed and we're eating dinner. So I'm emotionally eating. If I'm celebrating my best friend's birthday and we're eating cake, I'm really happy. I'm loving spending time with my friends I'm feeling an emotion. I'm really happy. And oftentimes emotional eating kind of gets that negative or bad rap of that we're using food to cope with those uncomfortable emotions mm -hmm. and that we shouldn't be doing that. So why do you think that the general perception of many of the listener and public in general is that emotional eating is bad? Where do you think that come from then? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it really stems from this idea that emotions are good or bad. Coming back to that dichotomy of anger, sadness, loneliness are often thought of as bad emotions or negative emotions. And happiness and pleasure 
are thought of as more positive or good emotions. And if we can take out the morality of emotions and just accept that emotions are messages from your body, they're just messages and we just need to listen to them. It takes out some of that shame and guilt piece if we're not always needing to cope with an emotion because emotions just are. So what you're saying is people feel that they need to cope with a certain group of emotion because they believe this group of emotion, anger, for an example, or stress, to be bad. Yeah. Do we often hear, oh, I need to cope with my happiness. I'm just too happy. Hmm. Good point. I've never heard somebody say, oh, I need to cope with my happiness. It's always, I need to find a way to cope with my anger. I need to find a way to deal with my loneliness. Well, why do we need to cope with and deal with those emotions, but we don't need to cope with excitement or happiness or joy? Why do you think, like people are listening to this, they're saying that logically that makes sense. So why do I have this belief then? Mm, Which leads to action of coping with your emotion, but fundamentally... I have a, I don't know, a belief, a thought. There's something in me that leads me to believe that I need to cope with this category of emotions. I think a lot of it, and we can stem this back to diet culture of things being good, bad, Hmm. healthy, unhealthy, is that we're trained from a very early age that it's okay to express certain emotions and it's not okay to express other emotions. So if listeners hear this and they have children or they have interactions with children, or remember back when you were a young child, think about how you were treated when you were upset that somebody took your toy. Oftentimes we, and as little kids, we have really big emotions and not the language to express them. And we're taught very early on that it's okay to express happiness and pleasure and excitement and contentment, but it's not okay to express anger. Same thing as when like the binge restrict cycle that I'm sure your listeners are familiar with. If we restrict expressing that emotion, what happens is we have bigger and bigger emotions and bigger expressions of those emotions. And so it just feels like we're blowing up. Whereas if we had just expressed, hey, I'm uncomfortable with this situation. I'm unhappy with this thing. If we let off the steam a little bit at a time, we don't have the big explosion. That's interesting. So it all comes back to believing that expressing certain emotions is not correct or shouldn't be done. Yeah, there's not a right or a wrong way. And because we repress a certain group of emotion, because we believe it's not good to express them, they become bigger and bigger. And when we finally say something, we explode. Yeah, definitely. That's interesting. If if we just accept or believe that emotions are emotions, that they're just messages from the body, they're not good or bad, and then find different ways of expressing those emotions. And part of the expression is also experiencing. And if we've been told over and over that it's not okay to feel anger, it's not okay to feel sadness, we're going to repress feeling those, we're going to repress experiencing them. But again, they're messages from our body and your body is going to get louder and louder trying to get your attention. 
until so if, either. You, so if it, we do it as it occur, as it happens, mm-hmm. then there won't be this big explosion and this big quote drama yeah. Yeah. around expressing what has been suppressed for weeks and months and years. Yeah. And I get why we want to avoid or like repress feeling those emotions. One, because we've been taught that it's not okay. And two, sometimes they're really uncomfortable. And so Mm -hmm. we try to put off feeling lonely. And that's where my big emotional eating thing was always, I would eat when I was feeling lonely because food was always there for me. Food was always comforting. And I had that like, oh, like, okay, I feel better, that initial reaction. And if we put off feeling everything because it's uncomfortable, it keeps piling up. Whereas if we, okay, I'm feeling this uncomfortable emotion, I'm just gonna sit with it for a little bit. There have been numerous studies that have shown that on average, an emotion lasts 60 seconds, 60 to 90 mm. seconds. If we let it sit, if we let it experience in our body, whatever that looks like, whatever that feels like, but if we allow it to happen, it will last 60 to 90 seconds. And then it's, it might come back, but it's not going to always be like that. So learning to process our emotion, learning to sustain the discomfort for this 60 to 90 seconds is the key here to be able to cope with our emotion without turning to food. Mm-hmm. Yeah, having this idea, this understanding or this belief that you know nothing lasts forever, including my emotions. And if I can listen to what it's trying to tell me, if I can experience whatever emotion is coming up, it's not gonna last very long. It's when I try to avoid it, when I try to distract myself from it, that it keeps running behind me trying to get my attention getting louder and louder. So, and I know some people right now listening are probably going to the place of, okay, so then does that mean that if I learn to process my emotion, I learn to like feel all my emotion, does that mean I will stop eating emotionally? No, because like we said at the beginning of the episode, I think all eating is emotional eating. And I don't think that using food to cope with our emotions is a bad thing. I think. Tell me more about this. Yeah. So think about when a baby is born. What is one of the first things that we do to help soothe it? Comes out screaming, red faced. Mm-hmm. We clean it up, we swaddle it, and we hold it, give it comfort, and we give it a boob or a bottle. Mm-hmm. So we are taught from day one, almost the moment of birth that food or that sensation of something in our mouth is comforting. And then that gets paired over and over with being comforted, held by our caregivers, nurtured both physically and emotionally. And so if this is our one coping tool from birth, somewhere along the road, diet culture creeps in and says, oh, no, this is bad. And you are bad if you do this. But we don't shame a six-week-old baby for nursing on a bottle or a breast. We don't shame a seven-month-old child for Mm. sucking on a pacifier if they're distressed. It's natural. We just do it. And so diet culture comes in and shame that behavior because it's going to lead to 
eating over the meal plan or eating over the diet plan. And then the reason why you're not at the weight you should be is because you ate emotionally. If you followed our plan. Mm -hmm. Yeah. If you only listened to somebody out here, one of the experts, quote unquote experts, then everything would be fine. And it really robs us of that attunement with our body and coming back to that intuitive eating of I know when I need or want or if eating to cope is going to be the best choice for me. On that note, I also know that, okay, eating to cope isn't really good for me right now. Another tool in my toolbox would work better. What could be some of those tools? Yeah. So if we think of a toolbox and open it up and we've got a hammer and a saw and a screwdriver, pliers, wrenches, there's a whole load of tools in there, different items for different things. I like to think of coping tools as very similar. We've got this whole toolbox of coping tools in there. Food is one of them. Walking is one of them. Moving my body in some way, putting some music on, some dancing, playing with my kid, playing with my dog. When we look at coping tools, we want to look at, do I want to avoid what I'm feeling right now with the idea that I'm going to come back and experience the emotion later? Or do I need to distract myself? Or do I need something to help kind of take the edge off so that I can experience the emotion right now? Okay. So if we look at avoiding, let me backtrack just a little bit. There are times where we can't or it's not ideal to sit in our feelings for those 60 to 90 seconds. If I'm sitting with a client and something comes up for me personally, it is highly unprofessional of me to start bawling during a session. So I, I need to keep my shit together and be there. So that's where I would use like an avoiding tactic. I have this visualization of a treasure chest. So it's this secure container that I can just mentally open up my treasure chest, put whatever disturbing material is in there, shut it, and then after session, give myself five, 10 minutes, go process whatever's in the treasure chest. <sighs> okay, and then come back for my next client. So it's okay to sometime avoid an emotion as long as we come back to it. Yeah, yeah. Because if I'm driving down the highway, it's obviously not appropriate or safe for me to start bawling or having some sort of rage, anger fit. So I need to tuck it away for the time being until I am in a safe and appropriate place and time to do that. You also mentioned distracting yourself. Is that the same thing? Mm -hmm. So that could be the same thing. I like to think of avoiding as I'm going to tuck it in that treasure chest. I'm going to put it away for later. Distracting is that's where we can watch Netflix or Hulu or playing games on our phone is a big distractor. The problem comes in is when we're constantly avoiding and constantly distracting mm. and not feeling. So I'm saying, yes, it's completely normal and actually healthy to avoid and distract when we need to, but also scheduling in time during your day, during your week, to have that like come back to my emotions. All right, this is what was happening during the nine o'clock hour. Bring up the emotions, bring up the feelings. And then if you need to have some coping tools to help in the moment with those emotions while you're feeling them, music, meditation, both of those are great to help you process through the emotions. So we talked about 
different reason why we want sometimes to not ride the wave of emotion in the moment. Can you dig into more different tools? So you talked about music, you talked about dancing, but what could be other categories or other tools that listeners could bring in their toolbox? This is such a good question, Stephanie, because coping tools are so personalized and individualistic. There are how many million people on the world and each one of us has different coping tools. So part of the fun here is getting to experiment with different things and figuring out what works for us personally. Because while there's probably going to be some overlap, there may be something that works really good for you that I'm like, nope, not working, sorry. And that's Mm. totally normal. We all have different tastes. So different categories is look for something that includes movement of your body. Because if we think of emotions as messages, we can also think of emotions as energy within the body. And if we're not moving, if we're very sedentary, a lot of times those emotions can kind of get stuck or stagnant in the body. So having some sort of movement practice, whether that's I have a client that loves Qigong or Tai Chi, yoga, dancing, going to the gym and lifting weights, walking, running, anything that's just going to move your body. And that's, again, where you get to experiment. Try different things. YouTube has videos for everything. So try a YouTube video. And if you're like, yeah, that looks really cool. All right, look and see if there's a class for that in your area. Mm -hmm. And as with everything, use it until it stops working. Or different variety of moving your body. Yeah. Yeah, because there are some days where I know my body would be better off using yoga to cope. And there are days and times where I'm like, no, I just need to blast the music and have a little self dance party. Shake it off. Yep. Yeah. So then we want to also look for things that are going to be soothing and kind of calming. And sometimes movement and the soothing go really well together because we can process the emotion, we can process the energy, and then also really soothe and calm and bring ourself back into our body to kind of move on with the day and whatever else we have to do. So again, meditation, some calming music, some of the the like more meditative tracks, it's calming. And that's where food comes in as well, because food is soothing to many people. And that's what the baby did in your earlier example. The baby was soothing and sometimes it doesn't drink a lot of milk. It just suck and feel the mom close to them and they're being suited by the action of eating. Yeah. Yeah. Other things that can kind of go into that soothing category is laying with a heating pad or Mm. a weighted blanket on top of you. One of my favorite kind of soothing activities is when my dog and I cuddle on the couch and I can just pet him and it's just that nice relaxing. I don't have to do anything just being in my body. Mm Mm-hmm. Then we also want to look at some more things that are going to help process through some of those emotions. And that's where, again, meditation can be really helpful here, especially if it's guided and working on like a specific thing. Journaling is also really good in this space because anything that's going to get us connecting our cognitions and our emotions, our thoughts and our emotions to help tie them together and then process them through. Is there a favorite app that you have for guided meditation for people who've never meditated before? 
Yeah, I love Insight Timer. It's free and you can find pretty much any type of meditation that you want on there. And they, awesome. again, experiment with it, find some people. There are gonna be some people on there that their voices are like nails on a chalkboard for you. Turn it off and find something else. Yeah, I'm sure there's thousands of options. Yes. So we've got three big categories here. We've got soothing, we've got distraction. And what was the first one you talked about again? We just need to like experience or experience. Yeah. So experience something to help you experience something to help you move the energy in your body, move the emotions. So if I kind of recap what we've learned so far is eating emotionally is normal because we experience emotion throughout the day all the time. The reason why we've learned to make emotional eating bad is because of diet culture and widening or enlarging our toolbox of tool beyond the food is the goal here. Yes. Food is okay. And we want to make sure that we have more than just a hammer in our toolbox. That's amazing. So these, what you just taught us today is the bare foundation of learning to be a human experiencing emotion. Yes. Right. So if people want to know more and they want to start diving into, they heard your voice, they found your voice amazing. Where can they get more on that topic? Because that's your zone of genius, obviously. Where can they experience more from you? Yeah. So if you do find my voice pleasing and you want to listen to more of that, you can find me wherever you listen to podcasts, The Emotional Eating Therapist Show. You can also find me on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram at Sabrina Rogers, LMHC. That's amazing. And you do have a program very much focused on, I don't want to say emotional eating, or perhaps I want to say emotional eating, but this whole notion of being a human having experience and not being a human having emotions. (laughs) Yes. And yes, emotions are experiences. So we have these experiences and yeah, it dives even deeper into like the emotions, what we're experiencing, kind of maybe why we're experiencing some of those emotions. And then it really walks you through kind of step-by-step how to work through those three categories of coping. Amazing. What's the name of the program? healthily ever after. Okay. Amazing. So we'll link to the podcast in the show notes and to your program and where people can find you on social media. It was a pleasure having you on the show today, Sabrina. It's a pleasure being here. Thank you, Stephanie. Beyond ready to shed diet culture from your life and become the expert at your own body. Awesome. Then you need to join on diet your life program go to stephaniedozier.com forward slash join and join us now. Undiet Your Life is the first program of its kind with the unique combination of mindset, life coaching with intuitive eating and body image. Find your freedom, reclaim your power and take control of your time so you can refocus on what really matter to you. Join Undiet Your Life at stephaniedoze.com forward slash join and I'll see you on the other side.